person of your dear Son, our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Bless his word, bless his redemptive work to our hearts, to every heart this night. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. So, I begin with a question to you, and it's this. When you come home from work or shopping or some such thing, and you take off your coat, do you hang it up or do you lay it down somewhere? When you're brushing your teeth and you're finished, do you leave the tube of toothpaste on the counter or do you put it back in the drawer or in the cabinet? Important question. I'm not in the habit of putting things away. So either I or someone else later has to come along and do what I neglected to do. And years ago, my dear wife spoke to me about it and she gave me this advice. And this is uh, from what's called work simplification. Handle it once, okay? Handle it once. In other words, honey, when you're done reading a book, don't just lay it down on the coffee table, put it back on the shelf from which you took it. Handle it once. And I heard that and I thought to myself, that makes a lot of sense. And it was like a revelation to me. I thought, that's great advice. And so I started doing it. And I was into doing it only a day or two when I encountered, I encountered someone else from our congregation. This was down in Texas years ago. I was speaking with a woman in our congregation who, she was a hardworking school teacher. She had a family to, to care for as well. And we were kind of commiserating about all the responsibilities that we have and how do we get all the work done. And I looked at her and I said, I have the solution. Handle it once. Handle it once. She looked at me and she said, do you do that? And I said, I do. I had been doing it a couple of days. And soon after that, I forgot all about it. That's the way it is with advice. We soon forget to take our own advice. Just last week, uh, my dear wife had an accident. She was involved in a pretty serious car accident in which no one was hurt, thank God. It was up here at Central and Rocky Ford and another uh, lady went through a red light and uh, collided with uh, Harriet as she was entering the intersection. So she called me up and I, I ran up there, well I drove up there and um, talked to her, got the details of what happened and then I asked her this. I said, honey, did you look both ways before you entered the intersection? And she said, honey, I couldn't see anyway because of the oncoming traffic and this lady was in the inside lane and so I would have missed her even if I had been looking. And I said to her, 
Look both ways before you enter the intersection. Even though the light's green, I don't care. Look both ways. So after our car was towed away, we got in the other car and I was driving away. I went through the same intersection and do you think I looked both ways? Well, I did. But soon after, I forgot all about it. You see, the advice was good. It wasn't bad. What was bad was my ability to follow it, you see. That's the way it is with advice. We're simply bad at keeping it, even if we're the ones giving it. Roman numeral one on the back of your bulletin, every religion in the world other than the Christian religion, every religion in the world is advice. It is advice. At the heart, core, and center of every other religion is moral instruction, advice, admonition, command about what to eat or not to eat, what to wear or not wear, how to treat others and how not to treat others, how to please God and how not to please God. Now Christianity, like other religions, includes advice, it includes moral instruction, but moral instruction and advice are not at the heart, core, and center of the Christian religion. Roman numeral two, Christianity is good news. It is not good advice. Verse 10 in our gospel reading for tonight, the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now notice, in that, there's not one bit of advice. There's no command. There's no admonition. It's rather a proclamation. It is a statement of fact. And because it is a declaration, because it is a statement of fact, it doesn't require anything of you. Everything has already been done for you. That's why we call it gospel or good news. Letter A, advice is counsel about what you need to do. B, news is a report of something that's already happened without your help. And that's verses 1 to 14 of our gospel reading. It's all done for you. God didn't ask your permission. He didn't consult you before he took his saving work into the world. And it's a good thing. News is a report of something that's already happened without your help, and it creates or it enables a response. It enables a response doesn't require it, it prompts it, it brings it out of you. The shepherds return, glorifying and praising God for all they have heard and seen. That's the power of the gospel. It creates a response. St. Paul wrote these words in Galatians chapter 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, as you and I are all born under the law and obligated to it, 
to redeem those under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. You see, Jesus followed all of God's advice. He obeyed all of God's commands as your substitute and mine. He did it in our place. That's good news, you see. That is a statement of fact. And it's true whether or not you believe it. And because it's already done, because it's already a certainty, it comforts you and it creates faith in you. We don't stand up here telling you to believe. We tell you what God has done so that you will believe. It's God's work from A to Z, from beginning to end. J. Gresham Machen, a Princeton theologian who led a conservative revolt against liberal Bible criticism some 100 years ago, wrote the following. It was directed at liberal critics of the Bible, but the same words apply today as much as they did 100 years ago. Quote, what each of us needs, first of all, is not exhortation, but a gospel, not directions for saving myself, but the knowledge of how God has saved me. Have you any good news? That's the question I ask of you. All the advice on earth will not help me. But if anything has been done to save me, will you not share with me those facts? I hear many Christians today saying things like, you know, God doesn't demand that you follow rules and regulations, simply that you love more. Well, duh, love more is a rule and regulation. It's another command. That's just more advice. And the problem with advice is not that it's bad, it's good. But I'm bad at following it. No matter how hard I try, I still fall short every day. No matter how much I love others, I still don't do it enough and I don't do it from the right motives. Not at all. I don't deny I need to love others more. I simply affirm that you and I have a greater need than that. To hear every day of the one who loves us sacrificially from the manger all the way to the cross. That's the one we need to hear of. That's the love that creates faith. That's the love that creates confidence in a fearful and doubting heart. And all of us are there at times. Roman numeral three. So, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but which translation of verse 14 is correct? The King James says, letter A, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Obviously, that's referring to God's goodwill toward us all. That's truly good news. Letter B, more modern translation, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he's pleased. Revised Standard Version, New American Standard, uh, the ESV, on and on it goes. But I ask you, what does letter B sound like to you? Kind of sounds like God's making a list and checking it twice, and he's going to find out who's naughty or nice.
the difference in the two translations, and the New Testament's originally written in Greek, the difference between the two translations is a single Greek letter at the end of one word, eudokia. There's a sigma at the end in letter B translation, eudokias. And it, it appears to change the meaning. Now, I would say it doesn't matter whether that little s is at the end of the word or not. It makes no difference. It makes no difference because they're really saying the same thing. They're saying the same thing. For example, under letter B, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he's pleased, put a comma after the word men. You see, the ancient Greek that the, that the New Testament was written in has no punctuation at all. There's no punctuation. Those who read it understood where the punctuation should fall. They were saving space on the, on the papyrus or on the, the animal skin that they wrote the New Testament on. And so they, they just crammed all the words together, no punctuation. So when you see punctuation in the Bible, the translator put it there according to the meaning that the context would demand. I would put a comma after the word men or after humanity. On earth peace among humanity, comma, with whom he is pleased. You see, that is good news. That is God's love for you, regardless of where you've been or what you've done. God is pleased with you, not because you measure up to his standard, only Jesus does. But he's pleased with you because Christ in your place measures up to God's standard. He is your substitute in life and in death. And that is good news of great joy for all people, even to those like us who have not pleased him enough. I'm here to tell you that God is pleased with you this evening, not because you and I have earned his favor, but he's pleased because he became one of us, Christ earned God's favor for each and every one of us. And St. Paul wrote these words in Romans chapter 5. Listen carefully. He wrote, By one man's disobedience, that's Adam, the many were made sinners. So, by one man's obedience, that's Christ, the many will be made righteous. That's you. That's me. So let her see. The gospel is not good advice that needs to be applied. That's the law, that's not the gospel. The gospel is good news to be believed. And as a minister of the gospel, I'm a proclaimer. I'm not an advisor. Ministers like me can give advice. Sometimes we're called upon to do that. But advising is simply not in our job description. And that's good because the advice is rarely followed anyway. And I think it was Harry Truman who said, the best way to give advice to your children is to find out what they want to do and then advise them to do it. A minister's job is not to give advice. It's to proclaim, to announce what God has already done for all human humanity through the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. St. Paul wrote, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. 
my friends, God stopped counting your sins against you 2,000 years ago at the cross. John the Apostle wrote these words. He, meaning Jesus, is the satisfaction for our sins, and not ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. And so I ask you, are you part of the world? If you are, then Christ has already paid the price for your sins. You are already forgiven. And if you believe this good news, then you have personally received the forgiveness that Christ has earned for you. And if you do not believe this good news, then you are rejecting the very forgiveness Christ has earned for you. You're rejecting it then. And my point is, I'm simply here to declare, to proclaim, to announce to you the facts of what's already taken place. The gospel is the good news of what God has already done for all people, in all places, at all times. It is not advice, thank God. And for people like us who don't take advice very well, this gospel truly is good news. In Jesus' name, amen.